Good morning, Ray. Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Man, I'm feeling a lot better than I was the last time we were together. Uh, no, I, really? I, I was a little under the weather. I'd had a cold for like three days and was just getting over it. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't want to tell you. Right. <laughs> well, good, I was afraid you wouldn't come to the studio. Good, good thing I socially distanced from you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think we were together on Monday, and I had just started to get a little congestion. And then on Friday, we got together, and I was a little bit hoarse. I think you mentioned it, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you're feeling better now? I am feeling better oh, now. Oh, good. I've had, uh, this is Monday again. Is there some other thing that you're hiding at this point that you'll let us know, <laughs> myself and the per- listeners? Perhaps. On Monday? Yeah, maybe. You never know. <laughs> you know, I'm finally getting over that rash. <laughs> it was really bad on Monday. <laughs> The doctor said it was really contagious, yeah. but I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, well, I'm glad you're feeling better, John. Thank you, man. And, and you're and you're doing well as well. I am doing well. Well, I'll, I'll let you know uh, on Friday next, how okay, I was really doing time. today. All right. All right. How Fair about enough. that? Well, it's another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting, Ray. Yep. This is like episode 104. Yeah. How about that? Under the new math. <laughs> we are we're using a, a unique identifier protocol algorithm. Yeah. So yeah, we just kind of decide after the fact. Eh, that felt like number one twenty eight right there. Uh, we slap. Well, a, <laughs> I mean, hey, let's not uh, be facetious here. What we have done is skipped episode one hundred, right? Because we kind of want it to be special, and we haven't felt like any of these are going to be very special. <laughs> so, so we just keep recording and releasing, and eventually we're going to go. Wow. That, that felt one, like 100 right there. Yeah, that was worthy. Are you going to backdate it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll release it now. I don't know how that'll work. Because, you know, if we don't backdate it, then it will be out of order. Right. And so that'll that, screw my head all yeah, up. Yeah, that doesn't work well with your OCD. Sp- speaking of that, it has to do with our topic today. Okay. Which is uh, the old adage, the old saying, if you will. It's not really an old adage. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. But it's, it's uh, are masters and magicians ever done, or do they just begin again? You know, implying, are they ever done with their work? Right. You know, like the, the art masters, you know, the great uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Was he ever done doing his art, or did he just begin again? He just began again. Yeah, yeah and, you know, kind of a joking way, it applies to magicians as well. Right. You know, they might learn new tricks or they might perfect the same trick for 50 years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are they ever just done? Do they ever put a cap on it and say, you know what? That trick is perfect the way it is. Yeah. No, they don't. Right. They always want to do it a little bit better. Right. There's always some opportunity for growth, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't really up for the challenge of such deep thinking. Oh, you always are. You always want to do these deep things. I am. Who am I kidding? I, I always want to do like, how do you do a walk around? You want to do like, what's the meaning of life in the car business? <laughs> yeah, right. I I, I don't like diving deep. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah, you should. Uh, we should take this podcast to NPR. They love you. <laughs> uh, Zen and the art of the car car deal. Right. Um, no, I just, you know, I think the deeper you can go, the more it becomes ingrained. I think when it's all surface, it's easily forgotten. 
Yeah, plus, like we've talked about before, you teach a man to fish versus giving him a fish or <laughs> or loading his lips with how to catch the fish. Right. Yeah, you're telling him why. Yeah. We're telling you how to approach these things so that when you uh, come across a unique scenario that you've never come across before, mm-hmm. you apply those principles. Right. You don't just have to have a cookie-cutter response. Right, the higher-level thinking. Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. So we're talking about uh, perfectionism? Yeah, yeah. To a degree? Yeah, I think we've talked about this beforehand, and we were like, you know, don't let, what is it, don't let the... uh, The good be the enemy of the great, or... Yeah, there's two ways of taking it. Some people approach it from that perspective of, you know, don't settle for just good, wait until it's great. Yeah. Or continue to work at it until it's great. Right. And we kind of related that back to the car business and, you know, pick up the phone, make that call. Yeah. And the, the other viewpoint, which is yeah. don't wait for great. Just do what you, what you can with what you have. Right. And let it continue to evolve into greatness as you're actually performing your craft. Right. In other words, as you're putting money in your bank account, right. you can be making money while you're getting better. And it's, it is a common hesitation where yeah. I don't feel like I really know exactly what I'm going to say, so I'm going to wait. Yeah. Right? Or I don't know how this is going to work out, so I'm going to put it off. And, yeah, I think that becomes a problem. Yeah, well, again, you know, going back to the concrete steps, you know, go catch that up even though you're unsure. If you're a manager, schedule that training session even though you're not 100% positive, you know, what your five bullet points are going to be. You may have three in your head. Yeah. Go ahead and schedule it. Yeah. Well. Take action, right? Yeah. Take action. But but don't uh, forego the preparation necessary to. No, you don't stop. Right. It's like you can't stop not stopping, right? <laughs> I think that's probably, I don't know. I don't think I know don't, anything of what we've just talked about. Don't, I, I, don't stop. That's from... Uh, don't stop uh, believing? No, it was uh, some video where like he's a rap singer or a, a singer. And then he, he like is ha- has a band with his three best buddies and they get really huge. And then he's like the front man. So... You know, the record company offers him all this money to go do his own thing, and he does it, and then, you know, he's a huge star, but he misses his band. Who's he? <laughs> I forget the guy's <laughs> name. It was like, as a, oh, it was the guy from SNL. Um, Andy something? You know the guy. Andy something from Andy Saturday Kaufman. Night Live. No. <laughs> Samberg. Andy Samberg. Do you oh, know okay. Yeah. Yeah. I forget the name of the movie, but one of his famous lines when he was a star, I think it was the name of his uh, album, was Don't Stop Not Stopping or something. (laughs) Never Stop Not Stopping. Because he was like, I can't stop. I try not to be awesome, but I just can't stop. I can't stop. So I'm just never going to stop not stopping. (laughs) I don't know, man. Uh, all right, those were the current events. I'm oh, imagining. Oh God, I hope it was only going to get better from here. Hey, if you're uh, if you're listening to this podcast, stop what you're doing right now and go watch that movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. You can come back and listen to this anytime, or don't. <laughs> Just 
pause it right here. Yeah. Go watch the movie all and right. come back, and you'll then we'll all be on the same page. You know, we we commonly use uh, excerpts from The Office. Yes. Right. It reminds me of. Uh, when Dwight, do you remember when Dwight was competing against the computer? Yeah. To try to, who was going to get more sales, the computer or him? Yeah. And uh, what was there, Kelly mm-hmm. orders from the computer. Right. right. And Daryl delivers it to her. Yeah. Really, and he goes, one, one, it knows. And Daryl goes, who is it? <laughs> He's like, damn it, Kelly. It sees what you're doing. And he was like, Dwight, who is it? Yeah. And she goes, but it's so fine when I get to drop the paper in the cart and it says, thank you yeah. for stopping with Thunder Mifflin. Good stuff. Hey, so, uh, moving on to our topic du jour here. So I have an article related to this, but I think we've laid out the, the idea pretty well is don't not take action right now yeah. because you're afraid of not taking the perfect action. Right. You know, let's let's take action and then improve along the way. Yeah. We want to constantly be improving. Correct. But we also want to be constantly moving in the direction of our goals. All right. Fair enough to say? Well, I, I have something here. All right. Okay. Uh, post on LinkedIn uh, and see if it correlates with what we're talking about. All right. I'll try to. Six things mentally strong people do. All right. Number one, they move on. They don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. I like All right. it. Two, they embrace change. They welcome challenges. Number three, they stay happy. They don't waste energy on things they can't control. Number four, they are kind, fair, and unafraid to speak up. Number five, they are willing to take calculated risks. And number six, they celebrate other people's success. They don't resent that success. Yeah, I like that one especially. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, Tell me number three again. I thought that meant something to me. They stay happy. They don't waste time. uh, They don't waste energy on things they can't control. Yeah, I think that's a deep one right there. Yeah. Is you worry about things that are out of your control. Right. And, and the other one about being afraid of new projects. I thought that really hit home for a lot of people in the car business. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, whether you're in sales management, service director, you know, there's always going to be a newer, faster, better process. Right. Right. So it, it's just part of the industry. Yeah. If you're trying to... Figure out the perfect way and do it that way for 50 years, you're going to become a dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talk about that frequently. Yeah. And it, it's always apropos, right, to, to the current environment because it's an ever-changing environment. And, yeah, it's that, that whole you want to be on the cutting edge. Don't be afraid to take that next step, to step out of your comfort zone, to implement some new uh, activity or, or process that you – coming down the pike yeah and and do everything possible to avoid failure but don't be afraid to fail right because it's gonna have if if you are looking to go through your entire career or your entire personal life without failure that's a pretty cautious and boring life that you're gonna (laughs) lead you know take some risk accept failure and then like like that last one was saying Revel in not only your own success, but in other people's success, too, because, hey, they had just as hard time getting there as you did. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we all are experiencing our own challenges. Well, it's funny. It reminds me of, um, of uh, Chris Voss, the book he wrote, um, Never Split the Difference. <laughs> that you've mentioned about 37 times. Oh, at least, at least. But because it's, it's a great book, I really uh, appreciate his... 
his tact toward negotiating and his negotiation skills as an FBI negotiator and yeah. on with the, uh, I don't know, National Security Agency. But he, uh, he says, the more someone talks about we, the more important when he's negotiating, yeah. specifically talking about, you know, hostage takers or, you know, people in those. Yeah, what we need to do intense, here to resolve yeah, this. Or, or no, he says, well, you know, let, let me go check with, you know, I'm not the main guy or, you know, well, we're concerned about this. The more they talk in plural, uh-huh. the more important they are. Oh. Right? The more the person says, well, listen, I'm not going to settle for that. Me, me, me. Typically, hmm. in his negotiation experiences, yeah. the less important they really are. They can't make that decision on their own, right? Oh. If they're all about themselves. But those who are truly the ringleader yeah. in negotiation will commonly refer to the group as, okay. you know, well, let me see if I can get this past the other people here. Well, that, that's more of a stall from somebody who really is a decision maker than it is um, accurate to the situation. Well, fair enough. I think another way to take that uh, and maybe just expound on it is... In like, I'm trying to relate this to the car business. If I'm in negotiations over a car deal, right. or if I'm a service writer and I'm discussing a problem with someone's car with the customer, then and I'm going to use the we and us terminology to indicate that we're on the same team here. Right. You know, hey, the payment's too high. Yeah, I know the payment's too high. Here's what we're going to do about it. Right. Right. We're going to put more money down. <laughs> And by we, I mean you. Right. <laughs> You're gonna put more. Well, I think another one is, you know, when you that that stall that we talk about. Well, I got to check with my wife. Yeah. And you commonly use the. Well, what do you think she's gonna have a problem with? Yeah. What do right? you think she'll say? Yeah. Or what I do don't you bring think up she'll a problem. Say? Yeah. Well, I guess <laughs> I think she'll say yes. Great. I'm right. saying yes yeah. too. So we're all in agreement here. Let's do it. Or I think she'll think the payment's too high. Yeah. Right? Oh, well, really? Well, what kind of payment do you think she would be would right. be acceptable to her? Right. Well, is it really that she thinks the payment's too high? She doesn't <laughs> even know what the payment is yet. Right. You think the payment's too high. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, the customer's not going home to ask his wife. He's going home to tell her the payment's too high. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, this payment is six twenty-five. I mean, we can't do that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Okay, so let's dive into this one. You want to? Yeah. This is from Inc. Magazine, INC. Period. I'm familiar. So it's eight signs that you're a perfectionist and why that's toxic to your mental health. Okay. Now I just ran across this. You're doing some show prep, but I thought it really had some good, you know, one-liners in here. Some good pointers. Uh, let me just read this short intro to you. It says, people often confuse high achieving behavior with professionistic behavior. High achievers are dedicated, determined individuals that have a strong desire to accomplish something that's important to them. Okay, fair enough. Then it says, (laughs) on the the other hand, people who deem themselves perfectionists are not driven by the pursuit of perfection. They're driven by the avoidance of failure. True perfectionists aren't really trying to be perfect. They're avoiding not being good enough. This avoidance uh, dictates much of their behavior, and uh, it's linked to depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and even suicide. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's kind of crazy to think, oh, that person's a perfectionist. It kind of sounds like a little bit of a compliment. 
Right. You know, they, oh man, they're always trying to do everything wonderfully. Right. Well, it can be a detriment because well, you're, you're stalling yourself out. Yeah. Well, and again, in having been in many of the uh, interview scenarios, uh, it's not uncommon to hear people or speak of themselves. Well, I'm a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, right? right? And they kind of wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah. But yeah, it certainly has its downside if they truly are right, perfectionistic. Right. Yeah, I think it can lead to stagnation, you know, like oh, we've yeah. already discussed. All right, so here we go, Ray. There's seven things here we can... Uh, we can stop and discuss these at however much length you would prefer. Okay. Uh, one, despite your search for perfection, you never feel perfect. Uh, Dr. Hewitt uses this example uh, of college students. Oh, basically he's saying a kid got an A+. Plus, right. Took a lot of time and a lot of effort to get an A+. Plus. Then at the end of the semester, he got his A+, plus and he said he just felt like a failure. Uh, the doc, and the professor is like, "What do you mean? You got the highest grade I could right. possibly you, give you." And the student said, "Yeah, but he thought that it took a lot more effort than it should have. <laughs> <laughs> and if he was a smarter student, you know, if he was better organized, that he could have done it in half the time." Right. That's that's w absurd behavior to yeah. you and I. But that's it how is. sometimes perfectionists feel, right? Okay. All right, another one. Uh, I, I know. I yeah. I can think of no example of somebody that I would. Yeah, say would be to that extreme. Right. I think that is the you know absolute highest position of perfectionism that you right, can imagine. Right. But go ahead. Yeah, I, of course I won the game, but gosh, we could have done it better. Right. All right. So number two, you cannot accept or celebrate your success. It's never good enough. So you get sucked so far into the details that you become frustrated, uh, even when your goal is complete and results in success. You believe you could have done it better. Well, that's kind of same thing. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. Three, uh, you don't allow yourself any mistakes. Now, I think this is important. So, on one hand, you have somebody that's okay with mistakes. Right. On the other hand, you have an extreme perfectionist that doesn't forgive their own mistakes. Instead of viewing them as a learning opportunity, they criticize and put pressure on themselves for not predicting that that obstacle that came in to cause the mistake. Okay. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. I can kind of see this a little bit on, like, investments and uh, time investment. I mean, financial investments, time investments relational investments yeah where you, i can see people i mean you hear all the time about people saying man you know i i only made three percent last year on my portfolio if i'd have done it right i could have made five percent yeah or you know i'm i keep dating all the losers right <laughs> if i would just stop dating the losers i might be married with kids by now right, right yeah you're not buying this one yeah so much. Um, I mean, I, I think there's a I think there's a positive element of that in in from a preparation standpoint. You know, I've heard it said of of great leaders that they anticipate things going wrong, right? That they have plans for when things fall apart. Contingency plans. The contingencies. Yeah, the, you, you foresee the obstacles. Foresee right? those things that will come and wreak havoc on your plan as stated. I think, I mean, I didn't plan on giving us a plug here, but I, I appreciate, and I think for me, I find it personally rewarding that we bring that to clients and that, you know, we've done this hundreds of times. Right. You know, we've done this sales training, this BDC training, yeah. service training. We know the pitfalls you're going to hit. Yeah. 
Let me tell you where this is this most likely to go awry. Right, right. right. It all sounds great as we're talking through it. But here's where the problems are going to be. Right. right. You have somebody who doesn't get on board, or this guy's too focused on, you know, one element. Or yeah, the, the, like I mean, in service BDC a lot, we would have uh, the reps getting up to go to the service drive right. to find out about one specific client yeah. while they're missing 20 phone calls in the BDC. Yeah, th- things like that. All right. Uh, I think we were on number four. Yeah. I'm not sure I agree with this one either, but it's... Uh, you put up a front insisting everything is perfect. So perfectionists are intensely afraid of being judged by others. So they always pretend or put out a front that everything's going according to plan. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Take it uh, or leave it. Uh, yeah. These are not going as well as I thought they yeah. were. <laughs> I thought when I read this two hours ago, I thought it's got some pretty yeah. good information there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's got some good information. <laughs> Certainly, some some things worth this. I mean, I, I think the more commonly held experience of a perfectionist is not that they put on the air of everything's going perfect. Mm-hmm. They're so overcome or overwhelmed with the lack of perfection yeah. that they stagnate or, you know, I mean, some of the others, you kind of contradict themselves, some of these points, right? Yeah. Because one point they're, you know, depressed or they're not happy with, you know, uh, because doing they a great could have job done it better. because it could have been better. But on the other side, they're putting on an air of perfection well, I, I, I don't I think know what it's common I think what and what is this some doctor a psychiatrist or something <laughs> yeah, that wrote that I think so yeah uh, so we'll, he, I'll he, look he it up in a minute talking about the pathological uh, well it says in that same point it says because you need others to think that it came to you easily it okay. goes back to that first point of, yeah, you got an A+, plus, but I could have done it. It seemed like it was a lot of work. Right. So it's almost like they need to make, they need to do things perfectly yeah. and then make it look like it was little or no effort at all. Right. So I, don't, I think there is some validity to that. Uh, number five, you avoid taking on challenges that may cause you to fail. Perfectionists like to stick with what they know. If you're presented with an opportunity that means you'll have to develop more skills or move outside your comfort zone, you're likely to turn it down. You're afraid that you're not smart enough to tackle a new learning curve and will be seen as a failure or left someone down. See, I don't really agree with that one either. Yeah, I think these are, he is talking about perfectionists that are borderline need hospitalization. (laughs) I mean, they are not winning in this game of life. It has become so acute, their perfectionism, that they're... (laughs) They can hardly function. Right, they can barely get out the door. All right, well, there are three more. Oh, good. Six, seven, and eight. So here we go, number six. You believe that your likability is linked to being perfect. Uh, it's not a one, enough to be a wonderful person. You must be a perfectly wonderful person. <laughs> you don't allow others to see your flaws, and most likely you talk about only your achievements but never your failures. Now, I've known people like this. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I think it's arrogance versus perfectionism. Right. And but. maybe they're, you know, two <laughs> examples of the same issue. Yeah. Um, but... I think again, there's that there's the healthy aspect of that, right? I mean, those who are speaking of the positives are not dwelling in the negatives. 
And I think most people, I mean, God, go on any social media, right? And it's yeah. all people are doing is talking about how great their life is. And, oh, look at this great place I went I'm on today. vacation. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm out running. Or I was up for the sunrise. And, you know, hey, I appreciated do that. this leaf. Yeah, I, mean, I do both really, of those things. I, you know, I appreciate leaves. I uh, take pictures of the sunrise. I, nothing wrong with taking a picture of a beautiful sunrise and saying, "Hey, look what I saw! This is great." But I, I, I didn't take credit for it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could have painted this better. Maybe but here's a sunrise. Maybe I did not use the best examples <laughs> in those. Right? What's next? They post a picture of the fish they caught, right? <laughs> Let's knock those people too. Oh wait. Uh, All right, number seven. Good, thank God. Drum roll, please. Your life doesn't satisfy you, Ray. These are getting better by the minute. Yeah. Perfectionists cope well in a low stress environment. So long as nothing challenges them, they're fine. Uh, when was the last time you were not challenged by life? Right, never, because nothing is perfect. When problems occur at work or home and they unsettle you, uh, anxiety increases, which offers you the illusion that nothing is going well, thereby decreasing your life satisfaction. Okay. Okay, moving on. Uh, uh, yeah, I got, uh, again, I think you're talking about the extremes. Yeah. Right? I think everybody has a little bit of this. It's like when you look at uh, you know what they call the... Diagnostic Statistical Manual, I think they're on to, I don't know, six or eight. So they come out with this. It's the DSM, and each year they, they add a number on the end being the newest version. Yeah. And it's what psychologists and psychiatrists use to diagnose yeah. psychological disorders. Have a clinical right. diagnosis. And what happens is they lay out these are the, the attributes of that diagnosis. Yeah. And let's say they have ten attributes of that diagnosis and if you have six or more you can be considered to be diagnosable with that disorder right so i I say all that to say i think this is the extreme right this is laying out if you are the absolute if you hit eight out of eight of these you better go see someone go yeah right immediately (laughs) because you're in dire straits yeah which is uh, one of your favorite bands. I see you've got their t-shirt on, by the uh, way. No, I don't. And a hat and a wristband. Yeah. I don't get There's a little pin on your blue jean jacket. <laughs> it says Dire Straits or Die. I don't uh, know. I like Dire Straits. Yeah. Money for Nothing. Sometimes you do a Sultan of Swing. Sultan of Swing is a good song. Dude, that uh, Mark Knopfler. Is that him? I don't know. Yeah, man. That see, guy's, I don't even know who's in the band. He is incredible. Yeah. All right. And he does all finger picking. Okay. Yeah, he's known for his finger picking and kind of popping the strings, if you will. If you will. Eight. And our final. Way. Not soon enough. (laughs) You struggle with getting things done on time. Since perfection is an illusion, the pursuit of it is never complete and neither are your projects. See, this goes back to the saying, you know, from the beginning of the show. Right. You may get things done, but you're in a constant battle with the decisions and motivation to complete certain things, the what-ifs and expectation of a negative consequence uh, preoccupies you and the pressure can be over. I don't know about that. I think the first sentence sums it up just fine. Uh, So it says, 
Can you overcome the never-ending pursuit of perfection? And the guy says, no. (laughs) I believe there's nothing we can't. Oh, he says, I believe there's nothing we can't overcome. Okay. If we put our minds to it. So he does say yes. And that's, I mean, that's all he says, bro. Yeah. I read this two or three hours ago, and there were like three points in there. I thought, man, that's really deep and insightful. And I can't find any of them. (laughs) I don't know. But I mean, it's been entertaining, I hope. You're cured. Congratulations. I mean, it wasn't about me. I'm just looking through there and going, yeah. But like these seem like valid points, but hardly any of those seem valid. I think they they have validity in context. Yeah. I don't think that the way he's proposing them are the extreme of each one of those traits. Yeah. Well, let's find some truth in there. All right. I think there is some truth to. Uh, perfectionists never, I mean, let's think of like, you know, a new process at work, a new sales process, a new service right. process. It seems like sometimes we are hesitant to attempt these new things because we're afraid of failure. Or those who have that issue mm-hmm. of they never want to try the new thing, this could be their issue. Right. Right. And it's certainly something to look at. If you're hesitant to, Go for it, you know. Think about, is it that you're, is it a fear? Because I think a lot of times people don't recognize the underlying hesitation to trying something new. And just by being illuminated to the fact that, you know what, my fear, my hesitation may be fear of failure. Maybe, you know, we're not going to do it as good as it should be done or could be done or we're going to struggle or fail or fall along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you need to take ownership of that and say, is that worth preventing us from trying and adopting and moving forward on something and, and accept the fact that, yeah, you're going to fail. And right? that's okay. But, yeah. <laughs> but, it's part of the human experience. Right, right. Well, I, I think it's, I enjoy getting, a, or I enjoy reading things like this because I think it helps me to be more empathetic and learn how to better coach people, you know, when we're in dealerships. I think the more that you understand what's going on in someone else's mind, you know, where their thinking is and what their thought processes are, I think it's, it gives you a better opportunity to help them become more successful. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, that's great for us or people that are out there that are trainers or managers, uh, to endeavor to be like that, to, to educate yourself. But it also is an opportunity for people to kind of self-analyze yeah. and say, you know, let me be realistic about my own hangups right. or my own way of learning or my own way of approaching a new... And if there's a subco- subconscious component to it, right? Yeah. Sometimes just enlightening them to, could it be that it's that fear of failure? That's why yeah. a lot of times just label the thing and it takes a lot of the, the weight of that issue away from it because now it's gone from the subconscious to the conscious and going, you know what? Yeah, I, that is. I, I'm, I'm afraid that we're gonna not going to do it very well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? That's why I'm here. Let's let's walk through it together. Yeah. Well, I think a way to, to deal with those, if, if you're having trouble approaching something like that, I mean, whether you're a salesman, a service writer, or, you know, whatever, 
I mean, if you're in any kind of business at all and you're struggling with some some things like that, I've heard one of the tricks is to either say that out loud or to write it down and it kind of loses its value. Right. For some reason, when it's in your head and you're the only one that knows it, it's a bigger beast than if you just get it out. Absolutely. Have absolutely. you heard this in psychology before? I have, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just by stating it and putting it on the table, it certainly loses a lot of its its internal power over you. And maybe do this in a safe space with your buddy over a glass of scotch versus <laughs> versus in the business setting in a conference room. Don't say, you know what, guys? I got to be honest about something. I'm... I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. Well, you can, you can, <laughs> I think, articulate your concerns yeah. in a group format, right? Hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not convinced that we're not, we're going to be able to do this and be effective at it. Yeah. And I have some let, concerns. Let the group address that. Yeah. Right. Well, so help me feel better about what you guys are proposing here. What are we going to do? You know, what, how are we preparing? What are our contingencies? Maybe I should say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we always get a few of those. You know, oh yeah. Whenever we're doing any training. Well, what happens if a mom comes in and right. they're buying a car for a 13 year old right. and we can't title it in their name, yeah. but she's getting the money next month. Yeah. Now, are you telling me I don't let her walk? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. That comes down to the do we do we do the process for the one percent or for the ninety nine percent that are not going to be that one off? Right. Can you come up with a one off that's not going to work? Absolutely. But yeah, we can't plan for the one offs. So, All right. Well, Ryan, uh, I think that this has been uh, one of our best. This could be our hundredth episode. Yeah? No, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, no, it's not. But, but uh, it can't be an episode. <laughs> so we got because you know why it's not going to be our 100th? It's not perfect, John. <laughs> we might, maybe by the time we get to 150, 180, we'll be able to release we'll the 100th. feel like we've got a perfect 100th episode. <laughs> but, All right. Anyway, we do appreciate everyone for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. like to learn more about John and Ray, visit our website, SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com, where you can also listen to additional episodes or read articles we've written. Or email us directly, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. We'd love to hear show ideas, comments, feedback. What about dealers and sales managers, Ray? If you're a dealer or manager who would like more information on our sales training, BDC training, new hire training, or process evaluation and improvement, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. And don't forget about the total dealership assessment, Ray. That's where we come in, evaluate the sales process, look at the lead flow. I mean, if you've got leads that you're not handling properly, we can help. And we can help both on the variable and fixed operation sides of the dealership. Right, and these are immediate action items that you can put in place tomorrow to sell more cars or write more ROs. Right, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com.
That's info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com.